Good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to hear all those conversations, and I'm sure we can continue them after the service today. My name is Nicole, and it's my joy to bring the Bible reading to you today. But first, let's bow our heads before our great God in prayer. Almighty God, at this time of year, as we prepare our hearts to celebrate the joy, the wonder of Jesus, born in this world, the glory of God packaged up in this tiny baby, that your power and your love might be displayed to us. We thank you for Christmas. We thank you for our Lord Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that as we can gather around your word and as James opens it up to us today, we can be reminded how, how awesome a thing it was that Jesus came, the light of the world, put on flesh, dwelt on this earth, the eternal entered our timeline and forever changed everything. We thank you for your love to us. In that mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So our reading today comes from the letter to the Philippians. We're in chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All right. Well, a very special welcome to you if you were visiting here with us uh, last week at Carol's and you've come along this morning. It's great to have you here. And also, extra special welcome to all the kids in the room who are going to be joining us for the summer. It is always so great when we get to do big church all together uh, and have you guys here in the room also. Uh, I'm going to need one of you guys to volunteer a little bit later. Uh, we've got a little video for part of our Bible story a little bit later, so some fun things to come. But first, kids, a little bit of a quiz for you guys. Uh, do any of the kids here know who any of these Guys, are oh, not an easy quiz, right? Bit of a tough one. Anyone brave enough to take a guess here? Well, I'm, I'm seeing some whispering, Teddy. They are three. So three of them are Greek. They're not quite gods, and that's a bit of a hint. They're not quite gods. They're what? Demigods. Interesting. So we get some demigods here. Any guesses, Josh? Poseidon. Close. Very close. One of them is related to Poseidon. Hercules is one. You know, kids, here, let me make it a little bit easier for you, okay? Let me make it a little bit easier. How about now? <laughs> do we, do we recognise them now? Yeah. Yes, okay, so we got Hercules. Uh, some of you guys might need to ask your mum who the guy in the top in the middle is. Uh, they should know. Um, <laughs> but apart, you know, any, any, who else have we got up here? Yep, Lyra? Percy Jackson. Percy Jackson is up there, yep. Who else we got, Daniel? Maui. Maui's up there. 
Anyone know who the guy on the top is? Which Greek god? Which, yes? Achilles it is! Well done! That was the tough one. Good. Give it a round of applause. That was good. Achilles. Yeah, nice. Crack. So here's the thing. Uh, these guys are all demigods. Okay, well, demigods is when you have the offspring okay, of a god and a human. Not to be confused with the offspring of a titan and a mortal person. That's what gives you a god. Uh, but you can look that up later. Uh, so here's the deal, though. With demigods, all right, as it says here on the cover of the Percy Jackson book, they are half boy, half god, all hero. Great uh, title there. But essentially, a demigod, they're, they're half human, half god. That's what they are, right? And they're really fun, and our culture loves stories about these because it speaks to something very powerful and cool. It brings something of the, the divine okay, towards us, and kids in particular, we love imagining what it would look like to have these powers that these guys get when they've got the gods and all that sort of stuff. Is anybody excited about the new, TV, the new Percy Jackson TV show that's coming out? Yeah, I'm, we're, we're keen. We're hoping it's going to be better than the movie, all right? Uh, that was a disappointment. Uh, but uh, the thing is, when we think half man, half God, if we're not careful, we can think that this is actually sort of what, what Jesus is. Because even when we read about how Jesus came into this world, it sounds a little bit like something you might read in one of the stories about these demigods. So the angel, when he announced to Mary what was going to happen to her, he said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. It sounds like if you put this in a slightly different context, it could be describing Hercules or something like that, doesn't it? You know, the son of a god, these special powers, you know, something significant about how they came about. And so, you know, is it the case that when we think about these demigods, half god, half man, and that sort of stuff, is that the same thing that Jesus is? And many of you, I'm sure, you've been in church long enough to know what a bait and switch looks like, uh, that that's not what we're saying. But there's something really helpful for us in understanding exactly what it means when we talk about Jesus coming into this world and not becoming half man, half God, but God in the flesh. Because when we look at these heroes, what's really interesting is when you go back to Greek mythology or, or Polynesian mythology and that sort of stuff, and you read the stories of these guys, you realize they're very human. They, they are not perfectly good. So often, a hero in these sorts of mythologies is not a shining white knight, but it's somebody who does amazing feats, sometimes good, sometimes bad, sometimes tricky, sometimes violent. But Jesus gives us a very different picture, and that's why when we get our reading here, we can see this exhortation. When we think about what it looks like for us to have relationship with one another, that it's framed in terms of what it means for Jesus to become one of us. So it says here just before our reading, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. So there's a, there's a picture here that we're to look towards in understanding how we are to relate to one another that shapes this in terms of what it means for Jesus to come 
and become like one of us. He was in very nature God, and yet he was made in human likeness. So much so that he was actually willing to, while being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus didn't just take on human form, but he was willing to suffer and be defeated in order that he might pay the price for our sins. But it's in that defeat that we see that it says, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we're going to think about what it means for Jesus to take on flesh. And there's a big fancy word for this, which is the incarnation. We sang it actually before in that song, Prince of Heaven, that Jesus is the incarnate word of God. And so last week with carols, we had great fun looking at what it looked like for Jesus to come into this world. And we're going to think a little bit more today about what it means for Jesus to take on human flesh. That's what the word means. Incarnation comes from the Latin, incarne. Uh, Some of you are more familiar with it in the form of chili con carne. Uh, That's chili with meat, okay? In the flesh, all right? It's the same basic idea. You guys will never forget that now. Every time you think chili con carne now, you're going to think about the incarnation. You're welcome. Uh, But this is the thing. Jesus came into this world in the flesh. We we see it in multiple verses, okay? This is how we can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. This is what it means to believe in Jesus, to truly have the Spirit in him. You believe that Jesus came in the flesh. Jesus appeared in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed in all the world, taken up in glory. But again, the starting point is he came in the flesh. Christ suffered in his body, or again, you could translate that as in the flesh. So therefore, arm yourselves with the same attitude because whoever suffers in the body suffers in the flesh, has finished with sin. One more. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. It's a big deal that Jesus became flesh, that Jesus had a human body, that he was actually one of us. It's what makes it possible for him to pay the price for our sins. It's because he was one of us. That's why he's able to represent us and why his death is effective for it. And it's really important that we recognize that the son became flesh, not just appeared as flesh, okay, and not just dwelled in flesh. So, so kids, this is where I need uh, one of you guys. Uh, can I get somebody who's brave enough to come up here? Maybe, maybe somebody hasn't come up here before. Yeah, come on. Is, matter, is that, who's that back there? I can't quite see it. Sorry. Come on, come on, Reagan. All right. All right. Good job, Reagan. Yeah, good, good job ditching the hat. Wise move. Okay. Not because it doesn't look fantastic, but because I've got another hat for you. Come on up. Yeah. Good job, Reagan. All right. I got to send you to stand right here. Okay. Now, what I'm going to do is... Okay, I'm going to make you into a queen. Just wait. Oh, perfect fit. Amazing. Yeah, awesome. Okay. Now that you get a nice little shawl here. Okay. And I should have said warrior. Warrior queen. There you go. Okay. Now, Regan, do you you feel queenly now? In the middle? Yeah, okay. You see his name. Have I actually made you a queen? No, not really. Have I dressed you as a queen? Have I made you look like a queen? Do you feel like a queen? In the middle, okay. Uh, <laughs> but this is the thing. There's a big difference between simply 
dressing somebody, giving them the appearance of a thing versus actually becoming that thing. Thank you, Regan, you did a very good job. I'm gonna take these things back before we hurt somebody. Thank you very much, I get, don't wanna get sued. Wonderful, great job, give Regan a round of applause. Well done by her. All right, so this is the, the point is, okay, there's a difference between just looking like he came in the flesh. It wasn't a trick. It wasn't an illusion. Okay? The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. How did this happen? Well, we, we learned about it last week, right? We, we saw the story of Christmas and the angel uh, coming to visit and all that sort of stuff. And kids, I thought it'd be fun, uh, just like we had some fun with it last week at Carol's, it'd be fun if we saw a little video to tell us this story. So we'll put that up for you guys now. Story of Christmas, Mary and Joseph. This is Mary. You see, Mary was the mother of Jesus, but before that happened, she lived in the town of Nazareth. Mary had no children because she lived according to God's law <laughs> and had never been married. Oops. But she was engaged to marry a man named Joseph. Hey, uh. Hi, Joseph. One day, an angel came to Mary and said, Hi. That God had chosen Mary. The angel said, God is with you. But Mary was afraid and confused. Huh? She wondered what the angel was talking about. Then the angel said, Don't be afraid. God loves you and wants to use you in a great way. Uh, me? You will give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and he will be the king forever. Mary asked, but how can this happen? For she was not married yet and knew that she couldn't have a child until she was married. But the angel told Mary that the Holy Spirit would make her pregnant. Wow. So that the baby born will be holy and will be called the Son of God. Wow. The angel reminded her that nothing is impossible with God. Eh, okay, let's do this. So Mary decided to trust God and all that he had planned for her. Before their wedding, Joseph found out that... All right, we're going to go into Joseph's story right now. You guys can watch that on YouTube later. Uh, so obviously, a slightly sanitized version uh, for YouTube, but we, we do things properly here in church. Uh, it's not that you can't get pregnant before you're married, it's that you shouldn't. Uh, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Okay, this idea that uh, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you, it's interesting, that, that's language that, that comes from the Old Testament. Uh, when the cloud rested on the temple in the Old Testament, God's presence coming upon this physical place. And when we think about the, the virgin birth, I think this is one of those things that, that people get, you know, Christians get laughed at for believing in this and this sort of thing. But the thing is, if we can believe that God made the whole world out of nothing by speaking, it shouldn't be that big a deal for us to imagine that God, by the Holy Spirit, could make one more person out of nothing. And that's what he does. And so 
The reason that Jesus does this is, like I said, it's because he needs to be one of us, but it's really important for us to understand when we think about who he is and so we can know him well, that we understand that Jesus experienced the fullness of humanness. His birth might have been miraculous, but in lots of ways, his life was really, really ordinary. We see this in verse after verse after verse. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Knowing that everything had been finished and so the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey. So kids, next time you're trying to get out of church and mom and dad just keep chatting and you're like, I'm tired and I'm hungry, you're being like Jesus, well done. Okay, good job. All right. We see also that he has a soul like a human. He has a spirit like one of us. He has a will like us. All these things that make us human, these are the things that we see Jesus had. We see Jesus displaying all sorts of different emotions. He wept over things that were sad and bring grief. He sighed deeply when he groaned and, and, and needed to exert power from himself. He would be angry at times and deeply distressed at what he found in the people around him. He was indignant at times. Kids, that's a, that's a, a big word that means expressing your frustration or your annoyance at something. He'd have compassion, which is another word for, for kindness. That's sort of suffering with somebody. He loved and he had joy. And just like us, he was tempted in all sorts of different ways. Jesus was a fully human person. But really importantly, and this is where you get a little bit more in-depth, okay? While he's totally human, he is one person with two natures, all right? So we're going to just try and explain this briefly, all right? We won't, we won't take too much time in it, but I think that this is really important for us to understand what it looks like to see Jesus clearly and see him well. So if we put up a classic sort of diagram of the Trinity here, all right? It's a way of explaining in picture form uh, some deep theological stuff. God is Father, God is the Son, God is the Holy Spirit, but the Father is not the Spirit, the Spirit is not the Son, the Son is not the Father, okay? There's three distinct persons, all are one God. Okay, that's how that works. And it's really important for us to understand that when it comes to the Son, okay, there was never a time when the Son was not. The Son has always been with God, is God. Okay? But the Son, at a particular point in human history, became flesh. And in doing so, he took on human nature. And what that means is that him becoming human was not an act of subtraction where he took something away from himself, but rather addition where the one son, the one person, took on another nature. Two natures, divine and human. One person, the son, who has both a divine and human nature. This explains why Jesus could pray something like in the garden before he was crucified, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, coming from his human nature, but your will, the divine nature he shared with the Father, those two things can exist together. He's not half man, half God. He's both God and man in one person. So, one person, the Son, Jesus, two natures, divine and human, and really importantly, the big difference between us in our human selves and him is that his human nature is untainted by sin. As it says in Hebrews 4, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. He was sinless in his human nature. 
Now, I'm going to push this a little bit further with some of this technical stuff just to help us understand how it works. The Son limited his divine life not to override, sorry, to not override his human nature. What that means is, is that while, yes, the fullness of everything that he was in God was at his reach, he chose to limit that side of himself in order to live a fully human life. That's why we can say things like Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Kids, that's another crazy and fun thing. As you're advancing through like primary school and into different schooling levels and that sort of stuff, you're doing just what Jesus did. He went through all that same stuff, learning and growing, just as you did. And this is one of the reasons why it's so great to know more about this stuff, because no matter how old you are, you can know that Jesus went through this with you, okay? Not the old age part. Sorry, seniors. Uh, I didn't mean that specifically, just you know, playing that out of my head there. But he was an adult like us. But while he was... He was not limited to his human nature alone. So while he did choose to limit certain parts of his human nature, there were some parts of him that just kept on working in the divine sense. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Even when he was a human, even when he was a little baby, the divine part of him was still sustaining all things created in this world. Mind-blowing stuff, but this is what we learn. Okay, so again, to summarize. The incarnate Jesus... The Son in the flesh, one person, the Son, two natures, the divine and human, two wills, that's how he prays to the Father and can seemingly have a relationship with him while being distinct himself in his human form. But this is the key thing I want you guys to get. The more we know Jesus, the more we know God. Now you guys might uh, have sort of thought about this a little bit before, but, but there's a really deep, profound truth here. Because if this is the picture that we have of Jesus... When Scripture talks about things like Jesus is the image of God, the exact representation of his being, when you look at the Jesus that you see in the Scriptures, when you look at the Jesus that we see there living out a human life, when Jesus says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father, that is profoundly true because there is nothing that's true of Jesus and who he is in the flesh that is not also true in his divine self. That, that, um, there's distinctions, his human nature is different from his divine self, but there's, if whatever you see in Jesus, his character, the spirit within him, the way he operates, you are seeing God himself. And so when we, we pray to God and we pray through Christ, when we're struggling in this world, we need to understand that, that when we look at the, the human Jesus that we have, we are seeing the living Lord. We're, we're seeing God. And that's such a, a comforting and crazy idea. But I think it's a really good thing for us to understand. Again, as we sang before in that song, The Prince of Heaven, you know, the power and the glory resting on this child. And, and this is one of the things that it, that's just so amazing for us is that Jesus has come as the image of God. He's come as the exact representation of him. And what that means is in seeing the human Jesus, okay, we understand what it looks like to become more like God by becoming more like Jesus. And again, this is an idea that, that's that in the Scriptures again and again. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the ways of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. 
Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. In living a fully human life, in becoming one of us, in showing us what it looks like to live out a sinless life in this world, Jesus models for us what it means to be like God, to be holy as he is holy. Christ becoming one of us has opened up the possibility that we can be like God in a way that far outstrips the imaginative world of the demigods, right? Like, like the appeal of something like this, to, to imagine yourself powerful, to imagine going on great adventures, to imagine conquering and all this sort of stuff. It's fun because it, it, it's this hyper-realized version of ourselves. We still remain human, we remain people, but with all this sort of super-poweredness to us. And, but the crazy thing is, is that as fun as these stories are and, and, and as much you know, fun as these worlds are to enter into, what we actually have in Christ, our ability to become like God through him is so much better than to be able to do great feats of strength, to defeat gorgons and minotaurs and the like. Listen again to what was from our reading. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Classic Christian idea, right? Don't be selfish. Be loving. Be kind. You can do all the most amazing feats. You can have great adventures. You can defeat your enemies. But if you're not doing it in love, what, what is the real value of any of these feats that you achieve? Climb the corporate ladder. Nail school. Great wealth. Awesome houses. There's many ways that you can be heroic in our culture. But what are those things if we're not thinking about others? If we're not operating with compassion? And how does Paul frame this? What it looks, how is it that he says the way to do this? Well, he says, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. See, as we come into this Christmas season, we talk about the Christmas spirit and we talk and love is in the air and all that sort of stuff in terms of goodwill to all men and brotherhood and sisterhood and all that sort of good stuff. What Jesus does for us is he actually makes that possible. Because he shows us what it looks like to be divine, to have the Holy Spirit in you, to be like God, to live holy as he is holy. And it's in understanding that that we can actually live out a truly extraordinary life in this world. A life that's not just focused on our own pursuits and our own interests, but on the good of others. That we can sacrifice in the same way that Christ sacrificed in order that we might love. Because here's what I know is going to happen this week. As you guys are getting ready for, for Christmas Hopefully your decorations are up. I'm sure plans are, so most of you already have them in place in, in, in terms of maybe family coming in, all that sort of stuff. I have a hunch that at some point this week, your kindness is going to be tested. <laughs> I have a sense that as you're dealing with family and trying to coordinate people and all that sort of thing, that you might be tempted to think of your own desires and interests. And I say this only partly tongue in cheek. As you seek out this week to overcome those great obstacles and achieve true greatness, by being loving and kind through this Christmas season. 
The way that we're to draw strength in this moment is to think about Jesus, who though he was equal with God, became like one of us, and he knows every bit of pain that you're going through. He knows every struggle, no matter how mundane it seems. He knows the temptations that you face. And he says, I I, I know it all, but by my spirit, I'm asking you to, to love, to not be conceited, to not just be selfish. And kids, this goes for you too. When we get close to Christmas, right, there's all sorts of stuff that makes us focus on the things that we want. The food we want, the presents we want, the timing that we want, when we want to open those presents and all that sort of stuff. There's an opportunity for you guys as we go through this Christmas season to not just be thinking about what you want, to be thinking about others also. About mom and dad and brothers and sisters and grandmas and grandpas and aunties and uncles and family, friends and all this sort of stuff. And the way that we do that is by thinking about Jesus, who is God, and who came in this world to be one of us. So, I'm going to pray for us now. I'm going to pray that we'd have that same spirit that we see Christ emulating for us, the one who became one of us in order to show us how to live well in this world. And may we live out this Christmas season well as we head into the celebration of Christ coming into this world. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus and all he's done for us. Thank you, Father, that he did not stay simply God alone, but that he took on a human nature, that he became one of us, that he lived the fullness of a human life, but perfectly, sinlessly. And he did this not so that we could do great feats of strength or have amazing powers in that worldly sense, but rather, Lord, he made it possible for us to live lives that are selfless, Lives where we are interested in caring for others before ourselves. Where we sacrifice in order to love and be kind in the same way that he did for us. So we pray, Father, that as we go through this Christmas season, as we go through these both celebratory and yet mundane things, that we draw our strength from Christ, that we think about our relationships to one another in terms of the God who did not use his divinity for his own advantage but became like one of us. To die on the cross pay the price for our sins and to overcome death so we could live with him forever. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.